0: Well, I want to welcome everyone to Emmanuel. My name is Danny. If you're a guest with us here today, I want to welcome you. We're in a series right now called The Gospel. And the gospel, what we said, uh, it really means good news. And I know that all of you really like good news. Anybody out there like good news? Absolutely, we love to get good news. Good news does something to us, right? It lightens our heart. It it lifts our spirit. It brings a smile to our face. It gives us something to tell other people. Uh, You know, recently I, I was talking to a friend of mine. I asked him permission if I could share this story. My friend, his name is Casey. Some of you know him. He's married to a wonderful gal named named Carrie. And uh, when they got married, uh, they wanted to have a baby, but they came to find out it was just a real struggle. Um, And so they began praying hard, and they began trying to have a baby, but they just they really couldn't. uh, It it just wasn't happening for them. And so they went and saw some doctors, and come to find out that they both had physical challenges uh, that were that were making it very difficult for Carrie to get pregnant. In fact, one of the doctors, the fertility doctor, told him that, that uh, if she was going to get pregnant, it was actually going to be a miracle. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's just a, how disheartening that, that must have been. So they're praying all these prayers, and they're trying to have a child, and years go by, and <clears throat> And then one day, Carrie's not feeling so well, and she she takes a pregnancy test, and she walks in, and and she shows it to Casey, and it's it's positive, and and he looks at her, and he says, "Is that even real?" You know, and then it's just this moment, and and when I asked him, I said, "You know, what what was what what was the look on her face?" She said, "She it was this mixture of shock and awe, and and wanting to worship God, but also wanting to pass out." It was just this amazing moment, this amazing you know tie where they received this incredible news. I remember. When, text, when Casey actually told me that she was pregnant, it was just unbelievable, this good news. And it obviously lifted their spirit. It was incredible to their whole family. And it was answers to prayer. And it was just, it was just this God moment. It was a miracle. And today, you know, there's this little five-month-old little girl named Ellie in our world because God did a miracle. Doesn't good news, don't, don't you love good news? It's just, it does something to us. It brightens our day, and we want to tell other people about it. You know, what we said in this series is that the gospel is good news. At its core, the gospel says that you and I can be forgiven of our sins, that God the Father sent Jesus Christ into the world to die on a cross for our sins, that we could spend eternity with him, that we could be reconciled back to God. And an eternity is a long time. You know, the average person, today lives about 75 years some live less and some live a little bit more um, and but that's a relatively short amount of time I mean that's a blip on the radar when you think about eternity that you're basically what that comes down to is 99.999 percent of your life probably more is going to be spent in eternity and the gospel says that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ you can spend eternity with God as opposed to eternity Without God. Now that's good news, don't you think? Absolutely, that's wonderful news. But what we've said in this series is that even though that's fantastic news and that's awesome news and it's probably the greatest news in the universe, is there any good news for the 75 years on average that we spend here on earth? And what we said in the series is yes, 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 the gospel provides good news for our lives right now on this side of heaven. The way I've said it in your notes there is that the gospel not only saves us, but it also solves us. It speaks into the struggles and the problems and the issues that you and I are going through right now. Last week we talked about the whole issue of struggle that we have with value and how we try to create a false self in order to answer the questions of do we have value and do we have worth and. And what what, what I want to talk to you about this week is how the gospel actually helps us And what I believe one of the biggest problems that all of us face, and that is fear. In your notes, the way I wrote it is this, one of our biggest struggles in this life is fear. We fear, and we, we fear all kinds of things. We fear the future. We fear death. We fear that our kids aren't going to uh, turn out right. We fear that, that we're not going to have enough money when we retire. We fear cancer. We fear, you know, the, this country not going well because of its leaders or whatever. We fear terrorism. I mean, you name it, people have fear. And what fear does to a person, man, it, it robs their joy. It steals away their happiness. It steals away peace in our lives. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you struggle big time with fear. I want to talk today about how the gospel actually solves the problem. Of fear if we work with God on that issue. There's a great story in the Bible that gives us a picture uh, of, of the struggle that all of us have with fear. It's actually recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I want to look at the story as it's captured in the book of Luke. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, you can follow along on the monitor here with me. Luke chapter 8, this is the story of Jesus calming the storm. This is how the, this is how the story goes. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And it was about a five mile boat ride from one side of the lake to the other. He said, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they started out. And as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. It was pretty cool. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. But the, uh, the boat started filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Watch Jesus' response. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? Watch this. The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. I really like this story because, again, I think it's a picture of what all of us go through in life. We all have storms. We all struggle with fear. We all struggle to have a faith that overcomes fear. What I want to do is kind of look at the story, pull out some truth, make some applications in hopes that our faith will be built up. First thing I want you to notice in this story is that this whole scenario, this whole situation was initiated by Jesus himself. Like It was his idea like he's the one who said hey let's get in the boat let's go to the other side of the lake now here's what i believe about jesus you may not have this conviction this belief but the bible teaches it That jesus was 100 percent god and what that meant was that he was all knowing he like he had all knowledge he has all wisdom like he knows what's going to happen in the future so jesus knew that this storm was going to hit when they were about a mile or two offshore In fact, I believe Jesus had a plan, that Jesus was actually doing something. In your notes, the way I wrote it is this right here, that Jesus always has a plan for the storms in our life. Like, he is the one who initiated this. Did he not know that the storm was coming? Yes, he did. And he had a plan for it. In fact, we just did a whole series recently called Unbroken. And what we said in that series is that God has a plan for adversity, that God uses adversity in our lives to build us up and and give us strength. He uses adversity to help develop us into comforters, to get get us to rely more on him rather than on ourselves, to get our attention, wake us up because we lose sight of him, and also to bring glory to God and, and, and doing so help other people believe in him. Like there's always a plan for the storms in our life. This was Jesus' idea. He is at work in your life when storms come into our lives. Isn't that powerful? He's doing something, right? And so what is he doing in the disciples' lives? Well, I believe he's allowing this storm to come up to reveal to them the quality of their faith. See, Jesus cares about the quality of your faith and my faith. Did you know your faith has a quality? It can be strong, it could be weak, it could be somewhere in the middle. And Jesus cares about the quality of your faith. He wants your faith to be solid. So, what he's doing here is he's, allow, he's allowing this storm to reveal the quality of their faith to them. See, Jesus already knows the quality of your faith. He already knows the quality of their faith, but they need to see, and I need to see, and you need to see what kind of shape our faith is in. And so God uses storms to do that. So the story goes like this. They get in the boat, Jesus goes off, he goes off, he takes a nap, and as they're, you know, sailing across the lake, all of a sudden a storm hits. Like out of nowhere, and this was pretty common for, for, for this particular lake that they were on, like the way the mountains kind of uh, were built around the lake, and, and and the storms would come out of nowhere, and they'd be fierce, right, and there were all kinds of heavy winds and all kinds of heavy waves and and isn't that like the storms in our lives isn't it? don't they don't they? sometimes not all the time because sometimes some some storms we have a heads up we know they're coming okay whether whether it's a sickness or or job situation or a relationship like we have some we have some time but then some storms catch us by surprise in your notes I wrote it like this there are some isn't it it's the nature of some storms to be sudden And I believe that 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 was specifically orchestrated in this particular story, that the storm caught them by surprise. It came out of nowhere. It was a sudden storm. And here's why I believe that happened. It's because when when storms come up suddenly in our lives, we, we, we really get a picture of what's going on inside of us, don't we? Like, we don't have time to cover up our responses. Like, our, our knee-jerk reaction, our initial response to something that happens to us suddenly is, is a revelation of what's really going on inside. And C.S. Lewis writes about this in his book, Mere Christianity. Listen to what he says here. This is powerful. If there are rats in a cellar, you are most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. You see what he's saying here? If, if, if you announce that you're coming down the cellar and you turn the lights on and you stop down the cellar and, and the rats can hear you and they, they have time to run, right? They can hide and, and you don't see any rats. But if you sneak in and you walk down carefully with a flashlight and you get down in there and you look then you can see, and you suddenly turn the flashlight and you can see what's down there, right? See, it's when something happens to us suddenly that we get a picture of what's really, light, what, what's really going on inside. And so this storm comes out of nowhere, it hits them suddenly, and guess what happens? The quality of their faith is revealed. <sighs> and that's exactly what Jesus wanted to do. And they ended up in this spot thinking to themselves, what do we do now? You ever been there? <laughs> Something happens, you know, with, the child, with a child, with a sickness, with a financial situation. You get a bill come in the mail that, that you weren't expecting. You know, someone, someone does you wrong in a business deal. You know, a family member is, is, you know got a problem with a family member. And, and, and this, a sudden storm hits you and, and you just have this feeling like, what am I supposed to do now? That's where I believe the disciples were. Now, to their credit, to their credit, they did the right thing. They actually went to Jesus. They, they saw this storm come out of nowhere. They're seeing the waves. They're seeing the water come in the boat. And What do they do? They go and they wake Jesus up. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 24. This is incredible. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. They go to Jesus. The only problem was that they went to him with all kinds of fear and all kinds of doubt. Isn't that crazy? Like, they knew the right thing to do, but they didn't do it in the right way. Their hearts were filled with fear. In your notes, the way I wrote is they were terrified The disciples, they were terrified. They were out of their minds. They were scared. In the book of Mark, in the way Mark records the story, he actually says that the disciples went to Jesus, and they said, don't you care that we're drowning? Like, come on, where have you been? They're questioning his care for them. You see, they did the right thing. They went to Jesus, but they did it with all kinds of of fear and all kinds of doubt in their heart and their mind. And so, Jesus hears them, he comes to them, and you know what he does? He does what Jesus does. He does his, you know, he gets his Jesus on, if you could say it that way. He wakes up, and, and, and by the way, I don't, I don't necessarily think he was completely sleeping at that time. I mean, I wake up when the dog barks when I'm taking a nap. Can you imagine a boat that's going like this, and there's water coming in, and guys are screaming and yelling? I mean, but it says that he was sleeping, so maybe it was some type of supernatural divine sleep, you know, where, where he, nothing would wake him up. Anyway, they go in, they wake him up, he gets up, and he does, his, he does his thing he, he he listen to what he he actually just speaks to the storm okay in the book of mark it says that that three words are recorded in mark chapter mark chapter uh, uh there's ch- chapter four he says silence be still three words he commands the storm to be still and the bible says that the storm is calm now I have been upstate New York before with my family and and there 's a lake up there and i 've seen a small, very, very small storm come through and I saw what it did to the lake you know it, it stirred up you know and white little white caps going and, and then I saw the storm kind of go off and, and it took a while for the, for the for the lake to get back to normal to where it was calm, but not so in this situation. Jesus says three words, and the storm is still the the lake is still it's gone i don't want to blow past this the power of god's word is amazing that's why i'm always trying to encourage you to read the word of god to absorb the word of god into your heart into your mind to meditate on the word of god and memorize it because the word of god is powerful jesus said in genesis he said let there be light and there was light like like he created something out of nothing with his words it's amazing you know, recently I was talking to a staff member here at the church, Katie McCullough. Some of you know her. She's our children's director at the Greenwood campus. And uh, I just found this out about her. I-, I couldn't believe it. When she was 12 years old, a tornado came through her town and totally wiped out her house. She was at school during the time. Her, her 18-year-old sister and 8-year-old brother were home. And they were in the basement. Had they not been in the basement, they would have been killed for sure this tornado totally wiped out their house well a couple of months after this this happened you know Katie was like 12 years old or so she started to have these fits of fear and 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 these panic attacks and and she was just began to be gripped by fear she could hardly go to school she'd spend hours in the counselor's office she she could hardly leave her mother's side is what she told me I just thought, wow, what? That, that totally makes sense. I mean, a 12-year-old kid and you're, you see this tornado, you know, take your house out. You know, it's just, I mean, it's, it's understandable. So I asked her, I said, Katie, how, how did you get over that? How did you persevere through that? You know what she said to me? She said, my mom would, when I would have one of these, these, these fits, my mom would pray over me and she would repeat scriptures over me over and over and over. She would say the word of God over to me. And and then she said, you know, I got to the point where I would hear these scriptures so much that I got my pen out in my journal. I began to write these scriptures down that my mom was saying to me. And I began to memorize them and meditate on them. And I said, Katie, was there one in particular that really helped you? And she said it was Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest and just and pure and lovely and excellent of good report, think on these things. Oh, the power of the word of God. Don't you love it? Three words, three words, and the storm was still. The sea, the, the, the lake went back to normal. That's the power of God's word. So Jesus does his thing. He speaks to the storm, and then something interesting happens. He asks a question. See, Jesus wasn't, he wasn't disturbed by the storm. He was disturbed by something else. Look at the question he asks. He says to them, guys, where is your faith? In the book of Mark, it says that Jesus said, you know, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus wasn't disturbed by the, by the, the sudden storm. He was disturbed by what was revealed by the sudden storm, the quality of their faith. Jesus cares about the quality of my faith and the quality of your faith. That's what he cares about. And what he saw through this is that their faith was lacking. Now, when I first saw this question, I thought it was a bit unfair. I thought, you know, oh, it's almost like... Almost inappropriate. Like, how could you even ask that question? I mean, Jesus. If I were in the boat, I would have said, Jesus, what you did just then, like, like speaking to the storm and everything and making it go away, that was awesome and that was cool. But, but five minutes earlier, ten minutes earlier, like. Do you remember the waves? Like, do you remember they were coming in? Do you remember the boat was, was, we were about to sink, and look, there's still water in the boat. Can you see it? Like, how could you ask me, where is my faith? There's clear evidence that I should have been afraid out of my mind. Did, did, did you see it? And isn't, it, isn't, isn't that true about the storms in our lives? Isn't that true about our own fear? When we have fear, isn't it, isn't it often true that there are legitimate reasons for you and I to be afraid? Afraid, Like there's real waves, there's this real potential for danger, and it actually says that in the story. They were in real danger. This wasn't, these were not make-believe waves. This, these were not make-believe winds. These were real waves and real winds. Like how could Jesus, how could you ask the question, where's my faith? Don't you see the reasons for my fear? They're right there. And you know, when I listen to somebody talk about their fear, their worries, their anxieties, sometimes it's made up. You know, there's an acronym that says fear is false evidence appearing real. Sometimes it's, we make stuff up in our minds that are never going to come true, and then we, we freak ourselves out, we scare ourselves to death with, with, with silly things, like, I do that with, with oceans, like, I think I'm going to get eaten by a shark, so I don't, I don't get in the ocean." Like that's probably, you know, not legitimate fear, right illegitimate fear. But, but sometimes, sometimes, there is real evidence to be afraid. Like you can point to stuff. Did you see the waves? Did you see the water? Like, we were going to drown. Did you see the, the person? Did you see my, my kids? There's, there's, I have real reason to think that my kids might not turn out right. I have real reason to believe that the marriage might not work out. I have real reason to believe I'm going to have to declare bankruptcy. I have legitimate reasons to be afraid. Like, that's how it goes in our lives. And, and here's what's crazy. Even though there are real reasons for you and I to be afraid and to fear, Jesus still says, where is your faith? This could only mean one thing. Really, this could, the, the implication of this question, th- this could only mean one thing. In your notes, this is how I wrote it. That somehow, some way, it is possible to overcome fear, even though there are good reasons to fear. That has to be what Jesus means. Like, even though there are really good reasons for you and I to be scared out of our minds, Jesus is saying, you ought to be able to overcome that fear. Like, there is a way to do it, there is a a quality of faith that should be able to help you overcome fear in this life, and I'm telling you, that's where the good news comes in. That's where the good news of the gospel enters the picture. See, the good news of the gospel simply says this right here in your notes. The good news of the gospel is that you can have God with you. You can have God with you. That is the good news. Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, look, the king turn, turn from your sins. The kingdom of God is at hand right like you can walk with me you can have me with you like that's what the that's the offer of the gospel it's not just about going to heaven when you die it's about having god with you right now and when you have the god of the universe the one who created the heavens and the earth right the one who parted the red sea for moses and the israelites when you have that god with you what do you have to be afraid of like this is all over the bible check this out in psalm 118 Verse 6. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Do you see it? It's because of the presence of God, the nearness of God, the fact that he's in my life that I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to fear what people can do to me. Fast forward to the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6. So we say with confidence the Lord is my helper. He takes it a step further. Not only is he with me, he's ready to help me. He's ready to assist me. He's ready to protect me. Watch this. Therefore for I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I love Psalm 23. It's become one of my favorite passages in the Bible, especially verse 4. Listen to what the psalmist says here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? What's the reason that the psalmist says, I will not fear? Watch this. Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. A shepherd would use a staff and a rod and to guide and protect and provide and beat away the enemies of the sheep. You know, the, 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 the enemies of the sheep, things like coyotes and that would try to kill, come in. And the shepherd, God himself, would protect the sheep. Therefore, we need not fear. The shepherd is with us. That is the promise of the gospel. See, the secret, the secret of living a fearless life is having God with you. Listen, in your notes, there is a faith, there is a faith that overwhelms fear. And that's where Jesus wants to take every single one of us. He wants our faith to grow in such a way that no matter what storms come our way, we can overcome that fear. You see, the message that Jesus wanted his disciples to get that day in the boat was very simple. And guys, (laughs) Even though there are real waves, real wind, and there's a real danger that the boat can go down and we're going to drown, even though that's a reality, the safest place in the universe at this moment is in the boat. Not because there's an absence of waves, not because there's an absence of wind, but because I'm with you in the boat. This was his idea, right? And when you have God with you, when you have him in your life in the middle of a storm, what do you need to be afraid of? It's the safest place on earth for you. So I believe God would say this to you today. He would say, you know what? The place you're at in your life today, in the, right where you are in the exact spot, that is the safest place for you to be. Right where." you are not because there's an absence of danger not because there's an absence of problems but because he's with you now i could end the talk right there and, and, and I think that would be inspiring, and I think that would be, that would be okay. But, but the, reality, the reality is that I know that my faith is not, not really there yet. And, and, and I know you would probably say, well, well I don't have a faith like that. Like, That's probably a good idea, and I probably should get there, and I should probably have a faith that overwhelms fear, but, but it's not there yet. Like, how do I develop a faith like that? And that is the question I want to ask as we close this thing out. Like How do I develop faith like that? How do I get to that point where my faith is so strong that regardless of the storms, I don't freak out. Like I can stay strong in my life. Well, let me give you three quick things to do And this is like rubber meets the road. This is where you got to put the work in. Like, it's not just going to happen because you hear a sermon, okay? You got to actually do some work here. And the first thing, if you want to have a faith that overcomes fear, the first thing you have to do is start small. And this is true for most areas of life. You got to start small. What I mean is that as soon as a little fear comes up in your life, Maybe it's giving a presentation in a class, or maybe it's asking uh, somebody out on a date, I don't know. As soon as you have a little bit of fear come up in your life, you have to start to practice this principle. Wait a second, I'm not gonna be afraid because I have God with me, right? When when, when you're running late and you lose your keys and and you're freaking out, right? Wait a second, little little mini storm, little mini storm, not a big storm, right? I'm gonna practice this principle in the small things so that when the bigger storms come, I can actually step into those and and keep and overcome that fear that that comes into my life. See that? See, we can't, we can't run a marathon before we run a 5K, right? So we got we to practice training for a 5K before we can tackle the marathon. Like, if you wait for the big storms in your life to hit before you start to develop this faith, you're going to be in big trouble. You're going to be wiped out, right? So number one, start small. Number two, you and I have to build our awareness of His presence, You have to build your awareness of his presence. Listen, if you're a Christ follower today, you have the presence of God within you by means of the Holy Spirit. You understand the omniscience of God I'm sorry, the omnipresence of God, that he is everywhere outside of you. The problem is not that God is with us. The problem is we're not aware of it. We don't go through our our days with the awareness of his presence in our life. So you have to build that. And you can do that very simply by carrying a couple of verses in your mind and heart. You can do that simply by by pausing through your day, going outside and acknowledging the fact that God created the heavens and the earth and you're looking up at the clouds or the stars or the moon or the sun or whatever and, and become aware of his presence in nature you can do that by taking five or ten minutes a day and and just acknowledging that every good gift you have in your life has come down from your heavenly father that brings about your awareness of his presence like you can you can do it a lot of different ways but you have to build your awareness of his presence in your life because here's what's going on If you are are becoming more and more aware of God in your life, when that storm finally does hit in your life, you're more likely to turn to him because you've been walking with him the whole time, right? But if you only call on God when a storm comes and you live the rest of your life and and you totally forget about him, it's going to be very difficult for you to have a faith that overcomes fear. So number two, build build your awareness of his presence. And then number three, meditate on his works. Meditate on his works. Listen, in this book, in the Bible, from cover to cover, it is filled with incredible stories of God's miraculous power. You need to meditate on those works. What would happen if you meditated on the powerful works that God performed through Moses or through Paul or through Peter or through Elijah or through any of the prophets? Like, what would that do for your faith The other day I was thinking about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they were thrown into the fiery furnace because they would not bow down to the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar created. Daniel chapter 3, you can read it when you get home. It's powerful. They get thrown into the fire, right? And all of a sudden Nebuchadnezzar notices a fourth person in the fire. Daniel chapter 3 verse 25, Nebuchadnezzar says, Wait a second, wait a second, I thought we put three guys in the fire. I see a fourth one and the fourth one looks like a god and then they come out of the fire and Nebuchadnezzar notices that they don't even smell like smoke, like not even a hair on their head was singed. I'm sitting there thinking about this story going, wow, like that's the God who's with me, the God who can protect somebody from a blazing, fiery furnace. That's my God, and he's with me. What does that do for my faith? It builds. It encourages me, right? So you have to meditate on his works. You've got to start small, and you've got to build your awareness of his presence. Let's say you did those things, right? Right? Let's say you did one of those things, like, and then you tried another one the next week, and another one the next thing. Like, what would happen? What would happen? And here, here's what really what I'm asking: Like, what would that look like if you did those things? Like, what would what would it, what would happen in your life to your faith if you actually started small? You built your awareness of His presence, and you meditated on His works. Here's what I think would happen: You would begin to develop a faith that overcomes fear. That's what would happen. You would begin to step into a storm or a storm could enter your life and you would be able to go, okay, I have God with me. I need not fear. What can mere mortals do to me? You can begin to say, as the psalmist did, even though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear. I'll fear no evil because my shepherd is with me. And his rod and his staff comfort me. Isn't that the type of faith that you want? Don't you want to live that way? Yes. I believe this, is, this, this, is, this quality of faith is captured in Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. Incredible passage. Listen to these words from the psalmist. The psalmist says, God is our refuge, our safe place, and he's our strength. And he's a very present help in trouble." there's, There's our sermon right there, that God is with us, he's present, and he's ready to help. Now watch this. Because of that, therefore, we will not fear. Did you see it? Because he's a very present help, because he's with me, I will not be afraid. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. You see what he's saying there? Even when the entire world is falling apart, I will not fear. Why? Because our God, my God, is a very present help in time of need. He is my strength. He is my refuge. Do you see it? There is a faith. There is a faith that overcomes fear. Or you can step into a storm or a storm can step into your life and you need not fear but put your trust in him and, all, and stay calm and have peace even in the midst of the storm. Will you do that? Will you start small? Will you begin to build your awareness of his presence? Will you begin to do some of these things? If you do, I promise you, you're, you're gonna develop that faith that overcomes fear. Now, now, there's some of you here today, you're hearing this and you're like, okay, that's good, Oh, I understand that. That's a neat story. But for you, you you, you, would simply say, I'm not even sure I even have faith. I mean, I'm not even sure that I'm in in yet. Like, I, I have doubts and questions. I wouldn't even call myself a child of God. I want to tell you that you are in the right spot. See, today perhaps is the day where you actually begin that faith, where you can actually put your faith in Jesus for the first time. You see, a few moments ago, I told you that the core, the core of the good news of the gospel is this, that God the Father sent Jesus Christ to this earth to die on a cross, to die for your sins. See, the penalty of sin is death, and that is why Jesus died. He died to pay the penalty for your sins so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have eternal life. And you will spend most of your life in eternity. And so that is fantastic news that when you put your faith in Jesus, you can have your sins forgiven and you can spend eternity with God. And for some of you right now, you need to make that decision. You need to put your faith in Christ. And the way that you do that is you put your faith in him and you express that faith to him through prayer. So right now I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you feel If you feel like this is your moment where you put your faith in Christ, perhaps you've been thinking about it for a while, I want you to just pray this prayer to Christ right now. He's listening. It's the prayer he loves, loves to answer. So if you feel led right now to put your faith in Christ, I'm gonna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. And for everyone else who's already done this, I'm gonna ask you to pray for those who are doing it right now. And if that's you, just say this to Jesus right now. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the penalty for my sin. I now ask you to come into my life, save me, forgive me, and make me your child. I trust you. And from this day forward, I pray that you would help me with your strength, with your grace, to live a life that honors you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, hey, if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, we rejoice with you, and and our church wants to give something to you. We want to give you a gift. And it's a a one-year New Testament, and uh, it's it's basically um, something that, that we're passionate about here because we believe that as you read God's Word, God begins to speak to you. He begins to instruct you. He begins to encourage you. He begins to show you His will. And so we want you to have a Bible immediately. And there's some. There actually is something special about this particular Bible. It's broken down into little five-minute readings, so that first of all you're not overwhelmed with all this reading that you have to do, and and it's just really quick. But it's it's just it's perfect for you to get started on your journey. So if you pray to receive Christ today, there's tables in the back to my left and to my right at Banta. If you're at, if you're at Banta, back to the left, also to the right. There's tables back there. Just tell them that you put your faith in Christ uh, today, and they'll put one of these Bibles in your hands. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? Absolutely, absolutely. Praise God. It's so exciting to be part of a church where we see people coming to Christ every single week responding to the gospel. Now, as we close today, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to, our worship team is going to lead us in a song. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I want you to sing this song. This song actually captures what we've been trying to say in this sermon about faith.